0: So welcome, Tim, in uh, uh, in Eleven Hex podcast. Uh, I'm s- super excited and super happy that you took the time, uh, like this close to the Christmas. So uh, I thank you very much again that you are coming to the podcast. Thank you
1: for having me. It's an honor.
0: So uh, like I have, I have here some structure that we will hold too, but let's <laughs> talk about let's talk about all the details we can. So right now you were a coach, uh, head coach for a few games of B team. Uh, when the uh, f- for me it's, it felt interesting like when you are training with different group of players and then uh, 18 players enter your squad during like last few days for the game uh, how do you manage this? How, how...
1: Well uh, yeah uh, that is the reality uh, we know that the guys that we're uh, working with early on in the week will uh, probably not be the 11 guys that we will play with uh, during the weekend. Um, I think it's a, it's a challenge. Um, I think it's still really good when we have guys from the first team coming to to support us coming to help us. I think it's also good for our guys to see how the first team guys you know prepare, how professional they are um, and just you know get inspired from them a little bit so, I don't see it as a, as a problem, but but yes, a challenge somehow, and you know, when it comes to um, set pieces, for example, you can't really spend too much time. Uh, it's only match day minus one that you can actually go through some stuff um, on the pitch, um, but when it comes to style of play, um, tactical things, we, 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 have, we do the same things as the first team, or we should be doing the same things as the first team. So it, um, it should be quite smooth moving uh, up and down between the A and the B team. So that makes it a little bit easier.
0: And like are the players able to like create connections? There was a study previously that uh, like when Fabregas came to Chelsea and played with Hazard and it took like six months before their combinations became effective and became like really good is it possible to like feel the like can you explain to your t- your players to hey this is is what the player from the A team likes to do this is how he likes to receive uh, do you have time to focus on that or you just plug in
1: player uh, into the lineup yeah i think that's probably too much to ask um, i think creating relations probably take anything from 6 to 18 months um so um It's never going to be perfect, Uh, it's never going to be, you know, the way you want it to be. Um, But I think what the club is trying to do, or has been trying to do um, for the past year, like aligning A and B team, you know, working similarly, uh, playing the same style, uh, I think that really helps the transition between the two, two squads. So if a first team player comes down to the B team, he knows what to expect. Um, and um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's been really good to see, and hopefully we can we can build on that. Uh,
0: checking the data in uh, in the second division, like you and Ehlava, were the highest pressing teams, and in the similar fashion, your expected goals conceded was probably in the last all of, both of yours uh, data were in the last three. Is it actually possible to play like high pressing in a second division where most of the teams are just happy not to build up and play long balls?
1: Yeah, I think we, we play a style that we think is good for our players' development. No matter what the opponents do. So when it comes to pressing intensity, we, yeah we need to be one of the top teams. I would say it's also quite easy because a lot of the teams in the second division, they don't press. Um, but yeah, Yihlava, they they have some amazing numbers when it comes to PPDA. We um, we were also I think we we're third, second or third. Um, second, second, second.
0: Second, okay. second with uh, with a, like big jump on the on the third. So yeah, like they, you are actually you are two pressing teams in the league. Yeah. I would say yeah.
1: And, um, but yeah, we, we've, you know, just the, the last 16 games, we, we've conceded way too many goals. We were really poor defending set pieces uh, for the first 9-10 games. Um, but yeah, you know, having this style of play, it's, you know, it, it, it is 100% because we believe it will benefit the players careers. So sometimes, you know, players might even ask, hey, should we be a little bit more passive in this game or should we do this and do that? No, no matter which game it is, no matter which opponent it is, we stay true to ourself, uh, we we stay true to our identity and uh, that is how it will be.
0: And can you uh, actually adapt it? Like for for example, like Sparta can go in... uh, uh, I don't know four free free shape of no, they they defend the free so free four free shape for example, and if you commit so many players then you will
1: concede much more from the long
0: balls. So can you at least like adapt it or do you hold up to the
1: shape of the first team? Uh, we I mean there there's when it comes to defending the long ball it's another aspect where we've been poor at times. So we so we work a lot of things you know when there's a when the opponent has the ball, and they pass it back to their defenders or back to the goalkeeper, we pump um, you know, most of the time up to the halfway line. And that has its risks, of course, because many teams, they can see that, they, they can take advantage of it. So if there's a well-timed deep run, it creates some problems if we don't fall at the same time with, uh, with our back five or back three so we, we've definitely, I think we've definitely conceded some chances, maybe a goal or two as well but um, yeah we, we just really believe in that kind of dynamic style of play that is important for our young, uh, young squad and I think our average age in the games is something like 19 and a half 20 or something and, and that is just a lot younger than the most teams so yes we lack some um, street smartness, we lack some experience But um, for me, it's just so motivating, having that kind of combination of yes, development is important, but also trying to to win, trying to compete. So so yeah, for, for me, you know, I would say mostly it's only positive problems. Yeah, like you put your on yourself like constraints
0: that you need to fulfill ABC and then winning, which is kind of difficult. like if you would probably if you would play with this young swat, squad, you would probably not try high pressing and you would just like play with mid block and so on, to be to be more to be most successful because like long balls is uh, against young center backs just work because yeah. they don't feel the uh, trajectories mm-hmm. of the ball and they don't pick up the right. Uh, uh right defending in 60 meters it's more difficult for the center back yeah, but what is
1: you know first you need to define what success is mm-hmm. for me it's not as simple as just looking at the, the points on the table i think for me success is when we can give a player like uh, horak our captain last year our left wing back giving him a chance to take that step up to the to a first division club playing for Radice Kralove, preparing him from for, for first team football so that is, for me, that is also success. And, um, and then it's also... I would, I would still be, be very positive with a young group of players. I think if you have a... I mean, of course, there's always different ways you can play football. And then, you know, no way is the right way. Uh, every, you know, everybody has their ideas and, and theories. But um, you know, even, you know, if you have a, a, a talented squad, young, uh, fit, dynamic, why would you not press high? You also know that statistically you score more goals if you press high. Yeah. So if you are curious when it comes to data and you you, you have some KPIs that you work after, I think it, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, like the, the thing is that Czech footballs is actually built well against the strategy. <laughs> <laughs> because like if, if, if everyone would try to play uh, on the ball then the pressing strategy has like a lot of merits but if all of the team's primary like as their primary tactic want to use like very direct strategy then it's actually like the pressing doesn't have as much impact because uh, more important for you would be like structure and solve second balls yeah
1: so then and that is that is still important when it comes to the chaos situations in the middle of the park, we'd be really poor. So if there's, you know, ball bouncing and, and they we just lose because of, you know, physicality, we lose because we're not hungry enough, we lose because we're not aware of how important those moments in the game are. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny because, yes, sometimes it's enough with one or two pressing actions and the long ball we go. But then we get... Then, we're, then it's a challenge for us when we meet actually teams who are trying to play. There are definitely a few of them in the second division. And then we can get a little bit frustrated because there's not enough with one or two pressing actions. Mm-hmm. You need to do a little bit more. Uh, so it's still, it's, it's a very good league for our, our guys. And we just, for me, it's about exposing them to difficult situations. Mm-hmm. So for our central defenders, yes, we could, we could stay low we could have a better structure, we could be better organised, um, we could maybe you know win more games, but we would not expose them to the kind of situations that they're getting now when we're pressing the way we're pressing. And I just feel like for their long term development, that will have a big effect.
0: Yeah, that will
1: that will give you know Becherka, that will give Shabinsky, that will give Lilling a chance to, you know, progress into the first division, hopefully at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with it. It's hundred percent. you are speaking in my mind. <laughs> uh, um, uh, if if we switch to uh, like underball, underball tactics, actually, how how are you trying? Like f- again, like most of the teams are uh, happy to sit back and to uh, like Czech football as specific. I can like we have m- uh, least passes in the world probably in first. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, yeah, we no, have uh, really somewhere as well. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, we have. So uh, how is it to like improve players in this like very specific environment like on their mainly their on-the-ball uh, techniques
1: yeah it's um so for the past year my my focus has been more on the on the defensive side um when it comes to on-ball behavior um i feel we so, so one of the aspects where we've been Struggling with is actually when we try to build up, when we're trying to be patient uh, on our own half, we lose the ball, transition against, and we concede a goal, and then of course as, as player you get you get a little bit nervous, you get agitated, uh, you're thinking okay should we start playing long, but that's not really why Sparta Prague has a B team, you know we we still want to be. Courageous on the ball. We still want to build up um, But I think it's for For the players they need to be so we have, have a lot of you know really young guys I think they just need to be more resilient when it comes to receiving the ball in tight areas Receiving the ball with their back against the opponent's goal uh, Because there is still that kind of Youthness in them that they they think they can you know take a touch turn up look up and then play a pass. Uh, it just, the game is a little bit quicker than, than youth football. And uh, that is something that they need to they need to learn. But, um, but yeah, it's, you know, when it comes to the offensive side, you know, we have Lars Fries in, um, in the first team, uh, a real nerd uh, when it comes to the attacking phase. Really, really high level when it comes to details. Uh, curious about where, you know, evolution of football He's someone that, that you know I try to speak a lot to because I feel he's he's just on a different planet sometimes and and you know he has questions that you never thought about um, and uh, and yeah we, we have some really exciting talents in our squad so so it, it is it is about preparing them for that uh, that next step.
0: Yeah, like he kind of destroyed the league for a few months Mm. when he created the space for Haraslin uh, by dragging uh, Zeleny like on the edge of the pitch Mm. and no one really adapted well. They always tried to squeeze them on uh, on the... like there on Sparta's right side, and they always just like Wiesner taking touch inside yeah. and switching to Haraslin. And, and uh, he just, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably the first time in Czech division that I saw someone creating space which is not uh, uh, vertical. So, like, what, what Czech coaches do a lot is that they come inside and create a space behind mm. or other ways around. Mm. Uh, but like to do it where, uh, horizontally, no one really, no one really had like, like, a repeating strategy to do that. Mm. So the kind of I, I hired, like, there was like ten games where no no, no opposition coach knew what to do with that, and it was interesting idea. Uh, so, like, you embarked on this uh, journey as a head coach. Like, what are your first feelings from
1: this? Yeah, it's been uh, uh, it's been good. I uh, the first six months I was in um, in the academy with uh, on the under sixteens because well, part a part of me thought that I wanted to get away from that uh, <clears throat> that result oriented football. But after a few months, I actually noticed that it's a big part of, of me and my my <laughs> DNA, DNA. Um, you know, competing for points, uh, battling, winning, losing. You know, it's I missed it, um, but it was a good six months. Really enjoyed working with the with the coaching staff and the and the players. Um, I still see them almost every day as Trahov, so so we're still in contact. But uh, yeah, the last uh, the last year was in the B team, which feels like. Um, you know the optimal environment for for myself because it's still working with young, ambitious, hungry player who wants to, yeah, progress, succeed. Um, so they're very curious and open minded, which which I like. And then it's still about winning during the weekend. Um, so I think the setup that you have for for the B teams um, is really really good here in Czech Republic because. You know these reserve leagues that we see in, in many countries. That is just not you know competitive football. So what you have here is something that you should definitely treasure. Um, but your know, it's
0: uh, created like in the last few years. Okay, so I didn't we, know. we we yeah we, we had it in during the nineties. There was the B uh, teams, uh, B teams for all of the teams, and then they uh, cancel it. And I think it's like maybe four to five years when we recreated it because it makes it's made much more sense because you have the middle step between uh, U19 and and professional football where you can like give players minutes and manage them more against like uh, physical players i think I think we are special in this that the like most of the leagues are more about physicality mm. so if you uh, like the jump from u nineteen to the first division is just way way too much yeah. so so that's why it was like for me rightly created and yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask, you said an uh, interesting word, environment, like how do you feel you can also help to move culture from the first team to players in the, uh, like the younger players? Like is it possible to to, like, to have the same culture, same, um, uh, same mentality of players in the B team, even though like you have different tasks and uh, you are not trying to win the title and so on?
1: I think our ambition to is to should definitely be to um, uh, build a culture which has the same standards as the as the first team. Doesn't need to be you know the highest standards, but but they should be prepared for what is coming, uh, and that is our job. Uh, we need to build that bridge between between the um, academy and, and to the first team, and. Um, I actually feel that we, we we haven't done enough work when it comes to culture. Um, I feel that that is definitely, there's some room room for improvement when it comes to, to culture, you know, when it comes to creating a really a, a high performance environment where the players are aware of what it takes to make it to the top. Because I, I think that probably majority of, of people, they, they they maybe have a, a feeling of, of what what hard work means, you know, what the demands are if you want to make it. But I think that probably not all of them actually knows what it what it takes. And that that is something that I look forward to maybe talking more about in the in the future because that is just for me that is that that is what it's all about making the players fully aware of of what they need to do to uh, to give themselves the best opportunity to, to make it. Um, because those, those are crucial years that we have them. So we have the youngest guys, I think they're 17, um, and then, you know, 22, 23. That's a crucial period in a footballer's life. It's Probably a is, difficult one. It is a very difficult one. I'll get into that in a minute. But that, that, that those are the years when you actually make it or break it, I think. Those are the years that you give yourself the chance to, to make it to the top or, or become the best version of yourself. Because that, that kind of transition for, from, uh, from youth football to, to senior football is, is difficult, you know, physically, mentally. Um, I remember myself that it took me years before I actually accepted what a senior environment is. I was stuck in that kind of um you know baby baby football where it was like you know you wanted to play nice football and you wanted to be the star on the pitch and and then i got a little bit you know frustrated because somebody came and kicked me and because you know we met teams that were only playing long balls and i had to be there for the second balls and win my duels and and i was like grown up in in Southampton Academy. We were the you know the best team in the league, and we had Theo Walcott and Alan and Nathan Dyer, and, and Gareth Bale, and all these guys, and we were playing beautiful football. And then all, all of a sudden, I go to Sweden to to get my first taste of, of of adult football, and it was a shock to me. You know, it was in training. It was a lot about uh, organization. It was a lot about you know defensive work, and and I I you know yeah i found it hard to to adapt uh, so that kind of that transition is really really difficult and you see that some players adapt quicker than others um, so you just need to 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 work with those ones who found it find it a little bit more difficult to to just you know, stay patient and mm-hmm. give yourself the chance to to uh, just like uh, think about it in a long-term perspective
0: Maybe some like a little bit philosophical question, but when would you try to uh, teach players uh, tactical things? Where where is the right time to switch to from like focus on yourself, focus on your skills, on your first touch and so on to like start to explain like intricate details of tactics and how you want to perform and so uh, as a team rather than the, as an individual?
1: I think uh, like any kind of tactical discussions or tactical work should probably not start sooner than, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, I think before before that you need to get the, the basic stuff right. So, so when you know anything, when, when it comes to like children's football, youth football, you, you know intensity in training, um, strength training, um, uh, you know, one against ones, two against two, threes against three. Um, I think get the basic rights uh, first so that you have uh, some, some raw material to, to work with uh, later because you know, t- tactical understanding that, it, that comes later for me.
0: Yeah, it, it, this is interesting for me since like in Spain they do it already in age of 11-12 and it feels like too soon but then then you look at the players and how much they tactically understand the game like Shavinia style are the, like easy examples, but overall like if you have if you would bring like uh, something some some player from second division He would not adapt uh, physically in Czech League, but he would like understand the game probably a little bit better So so yeah, this this is for me always like interesting discussion like where is the where is the right time to and how to introduce the first tactical elements and mm-hmm and still focus on the, uh, on the like, qualities, uh, individual qualities mm-hmm. but then like, improve the understanding of the game since I think like, through Nagelsmann and through these type of coaches that really value players who can solve difficult uh, situations by themselves and creatively so they need to understand, uh, understand the situation much more than, than in, with uh, other coaches then I think, like in the future, maybe this can even drop to like 12, 11 years yeah. old.
1: Yeah, I think you can definitely add some some um, some training in in, uh, in your weekly program. I don't think it should be a priority uh, when you're when you're young. I think I was actually uh, took part in a seminar in in Finland quite recently when we when we had a lot of lectures. Around Finnish football and, and the future of Finnish football and what we need to do to, to uh, to improve and it was quite interesting when it comes to like the tactical things because we we've been influenced as well you know from from Spain and mm-hmm. Portugal and France maybe well, why was that um, I, I felt there was maybe a little bit of you know copy pasting. Mm. Uh, for, for, for a few years. Why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah but you, you still need to take your own context into into consideration and, and uh, but for for like a number of years I think a lot of teams in Finland they 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 uh, got like really nerdy around like building up from the back. Mm-hmm. And when when people came to watch trainings um, I think people from FIFA, people from, from other organizations, you know, when they came with fresh eyes and followed Finnish football training, they could see that a lot of the time, uh, when it comes to the tactical part, was um, uh, was around building up from the goalkeeper. Hmm. And that just it creates... Of course, we, we become really good at building up from the back, building up from the goalkeeper. But the next step, you know, what, what does it what does it you know you don't get the you don't get the striker to deal with a long ball you know the striker is not really involved the, 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 the wingers are not really involved and and, uh, and
0: everyone learns to defend it if everyone yeah, does it
1: yeah uh, we, we miss and then we miss those kind of chaos situations uh, in the middle of the park and and we see that when the youth national teams are, are playing we're losing too many of those you know duels basic thing but we lose a lot of the duels um we're not getting into the box the offensive box as much as other teams we're not creating uh, a lot of chances compared to other teams and we're not scoring a lot of goals compared to other teams quite crucial things when it comes to football uh so you always need to you know think about that you know what is okay if we do this what what happens next you know what what kind of players are we are we developing um so it was i think it was interesting interesting to you
0: yeah. yeah, Like we can see this a lot in Czech coaches as well, that they kind of... I think it's because build-up is actually not like simple to understand in terms of details, but actually you can kind of like replicate Manchester City structure and you can kind of... Not right now with, with stones going into the middle, but like overall you can kind of like pick, uh, pick some details. But actually like... Uh, like one example, like Rakoff coach. I don't right now remember the name, but the one who won the title and everything. Oh. So when we analyzed him, he was like he didn't do like most of the build up, but he was amazing in the final third, oh. and that meant that he was the best coach in the country. <laughs> so kind of like more. If the same focus on build-up would be—that's uh, just a theory—but mm-hmm. if the same focus on build-up would be switched to similar focus on positioning and receiving and so on in the final third, yeah. I think actually like you can you can get ahead of the curve because mm-hmm. uh, in Czech league, other than Sparta and Slavia, no one really has like clear final third strategy that's like on the level of like top teams or that it's not like one-dimensional like for example Slovatsko just likes to cross and they cross like like, I think close to 50 percent of entries into the box are crosses Mm. so you have you are kind of one-dimensional you don't have more strategies you don't have cutback you don't have true balls you don't have some latter passes and so on so actually it's a it's it's a pity that most of the coaches follow the, this build-up build strategy and focus on it so much and rather if they would go into final third and then and spend a little bit of time
1: on build-up. Yeah. That was just you know funny how you know how we prioritize our time you know it, it's um, again from my from my A license course we we discussed how much time we, we work on building up from the goalkeeper Versus how much time we um, work on throw ins, for example. And there's like, I don't know, is it like 40 to 50 throw ins per game? Yeah, something like and that. How, and how many times do you build up from the goalkeeper? I don't know, 10, 12? Yeah, yeah something, yeah,
0: something like 15, uh, 20 would, uh, be, would be probably.
1: And, and usually you spend maybe you know, 20, 30 minutes on building up from the goal, goalkeeper, maybe. Yeah. And barely any time you know, creating a pattern or or structure when it comes to throw-ins all over the pitch. So it's just, you know, why is that? And it's just, I think it's just like, again, historically, we have always done that. And instead of, you know, saying, okay, why do we do this? Why can't we do it differently? Why can't we do it better? I think that is just like a bigger question when it comes to football, which can be really conservative. Is okay, some coach say, hey, we've always done it this way. You know, those coaches you you need to be scared of. If you hear this sentence, hey we've always done it this way, then you know, okay, this is not a coach you need to listen to. Yeah, yeah, 100%.
0: Like the the game changed so much even in the last few years, than what you did like 10, 15, like uh, Mourinho for example. Mm. Like uh, I would say around 2000, year 2000, he was probably the best coach in the world or like on Mm. par with Guardiola when Guardiola entered the stage but right now his tactical ideas are actually like super old and uh, everyone does the same ideas better and with more understanding of the same situations so you need to adapt
1: Uh, yeah you need to be curious i think if you have i mean you can you can still you know get setbacks and you can still lose games but i think if you have the that kind of mindset of, of like wanting to learn First of all, being humble, being curious, I think that is like, needs to be the foundation for, for a coach, no matter how, how experienced you are, because there's, again, I think there's too many coaches who, who, who just leans back and says, hey, I've been a coach for, for 20 years, I know this. But if you make the same mistakes every year, year in, year out, then it's not 20 years of experience, then it's one year of experience. Oh. So, so not being critical and like really analyzing yourself, reflecting over what you're doing, um, not like being open, receptive to feedback, which is really, really important. Um, yeah, then, then, then you, then you, you know, bound for failure.
0: Yeah, that that was nicely said. So, uh, Skáňalec and Hranoš are right now excelling in second division. How far do you think are they from like first league or, uh, or a step up even to Sparta?
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to, um, to our point system that we have, the same point system that the first team has, I think uh, Skania has the most points um, when it comes to goal and chance involvement. Um, and of course, everybody can see that he's been crucial for us. And, and Ranosh is actually number two, uh, I think. So he's also had a, a really, some really good months. Um, Ranosh is still very young, but I must say, in his like approach to uh, football and uh, and the lifestyle, I think he's very mature for his age. Um, you know, very very professional. He he seems to know what it what it really demands he takes care of himself uh, so that that is what impresses me most because he's like i said he's still young yeah Scania, is he's he's getting to that point where he he might need a um, yeah some some kind of new challenge some somehow i don't know what ca- what that could be um working alone
0: lock- for, for in the first division somewhere to get like 7 800 minutes something like that could
1: be could be one one option could also be an option to to be more involved with the first team um training week in week out because now it's been a little bit sporadic when he's with them um i think if he if he could be with them every day he would almost be as good as Going alone, in my opinion. Um, so that's that's another option. But yeah, both of them they they've done well. Um, I think they're you know working hard on the pitch, working hard in the gym to to add some weight, add some some physicality to their game. Um, so uh, yeah, I I know that they, we will have a, a few few of our guys will be with the first team when when preseason starts um, to get that experience. So, so that's always always good for them.
0: Yeah, I was, like, I'm working for actually competitor who, for a club who tried to sign Ranoš. Mm. Tough to compete against Sparta. (laughs) Man, I was so angry that we couldn't do it. And Mm. yeah, right now, if if, uh, I was checking the data yesterday, and he feels like probably like second best or best winger in the league with his age. Mm. So that's amazing. That's Mm. amazing. I'm Mm. really, I have him a little bit even higher than Schanelac, even though Schanelac has also like really nice skill set. Hmm. Uh, last season, like, I really, really liked in a few games, I, I watched uh, uh and Nelson Okeke, but they struggle with injuries right now and actually like, with other of our clients, like, it takes a lot of time when uh, new players come from different leagues, for example one player we signed it from Latvia and it takes time for them and they pick up injuries because the league is so physical and so uh, intense in terms of how much time do you have on the ball. Like, how can you uh, how can you accustomed to such demands with, with these kind of players? Yeah. I
1: and mean, is it connected? Is well, to be fair, I was just going to say that I'm not sure if I agree with that the, that the physicality of the second division is the reason why they've been injured. Uh, Nelson definitely not. Um, I think he, he definitely has a is- history of, yeah. of some, some, some niggling injuries um, that um, yeah that has like um, uh, stopped him from, from progressing, uh, I think. Uh, I think both of them they have no problem with the intensity of the second division are they fit and healthy?
0: like Um, definitely on the ball both of them look like very comfortable on the ball yeah
1: but it was also funny to see pape for example when he first came he was i think we we did the the you know the typical traditional beep test yo-yo test i think he came last but then when we did maybe
0: it, can you explain? Because I don't I'm not sure if all of the listeners so, know what that
1: is. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um well it's this physical test where you test your your, your stamina. I think that's my, my short answer. And um, it goes that you need to to run, I can't remember how long it was, 15-20 meters, and get there by the beep, and then run back, get there by the beep, and you do this for um yeah, for intervals and in you know the the speed just increases. about the intensity and stamina basically yeah it is it is so this was um was it uh Carmel was it in January when we had the the first uh, first test and um and and yeah he he came from came from um Africa and, and was maybe poorly prepared and you know new club new dressing room new language um and then he came last in that test, but then we redid the test uh, end of preseason, I think, and he and if I don't uh, if I remember correctly, I think he actually won the test. So he went from being the, yeah, the worst to the to the best. So so but you could even that that first week of, of preseason, even if his test was poor, when the ball was involved, he was still just as good as anyone. And that was just just funny to see when we played like small-sided games or medium-sided games. He was still, you know, one of the best on the pitch. You could just see that he, you know, intelligent, good decisions on the ball, you know, good first touch. Um, so we knew that, you know, when we when we get him fit, uh, he will have a huge influence for us. And you can see that when he plays, uh, when it comes to goal and chance involvement, he's, he's one of our top players. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: This is this is for me like a very interesting to thought of. In a Czech environment, because when we scout players for some teams, they always say, oh, and he has to be this and this physicality and this and this running and so on. And then if you imagine, okay, but this guy is like amazing already. And if you improve him in things you understand, then he will get into another level and you are selling him not in two years, but in uh, six months. Yeah, so... It's good, yeah. It's good to work with players on their weaknesses and just get them better. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw your, a lot of your games, uh, and you have such a huge presence as a coach. Uh, like you can hear your instructions even if you are si- sitting on the opposite part of the pitch, uh, and you are also the captain of the national team. Like, uh, was this your like uh, default quality, or did you cultivate it throughout your career?
1: No, it was definitely uh, developed, cultivated uh, during a long career as as a, as a footballer. I, uh, you know, when you when you're young, uh, when you're a teenager, you um, you you. I think maybe majority of us we were maybe a little bit selfish. You you look at your own performances, maybe before the team performances. You want to succeed. You look at ways. You know, okay? How can you play better? Um, so um, so yeah, I, I didn't think. Even though I was a, a captain of the youth national teams in Finland uh, from the age of fifteen, I didn't feel I was a good captain or a good leader. Uh, by no means. So so this this came after you know a lot of self reflection, a lot of setbacks, uh, a lot of looking at others, uh, how they lead, how they act, how they behave. So yeah, it definitely came from from um, from a lot of. Experiences, so it was just I would say the last maybe five, six, seven years of my career. where I felt like okay, now I'm getting a good understanding of what what a you know what a captain should do and what a leader should do uh, on and off the pitch. And um, yeah, I think the leadership is. Even now, you know, I'm still just starting on my coaching journey and I I have a lot to learn. I have a lot to learn. Um, I'm still not a good coach. But I think when it comes to leadership, uh, I already have some skills that I believe can benefit any team. Um, So setting a direction, um, high standards, high demands, not accepting bullshit in training, in games. uh, driving intensity um, I think you know creating a culture where where it's it's you know about high performance about you know curiosity I think those kind of uh, skills I think I already have them to to a good uh, to a good level but uh, but yeah still um, still still a lot of other factors that I need to to work on but my leadership it's been, it's been a part of me for for a long long time and um, yeah a really interesting topic that, that you know you can never become fully taught so so you just need to be curious and, and um, yeah see how we can inspire players no matter age and life situation
0: I, and i have a feeling about this that so many players missed the opportunity to bring value into the team with this specific skill like to be like really helpful for the team and like i saw a lot of players in their like late 20s like 27 28 even if they had like the right personality like they were uh, good in the group they kind of were familiar with everyone but i think do you think that there is a there is an opportunity for players actually like bring this skill set and bring more value rather than to just focus on being on the pitch
1: yeah, so as a coach, I believe a lot in inclusive leadership. So it's about bringing people together to make the best decisions for the group. So that is not only the staff around you, but also the players around you. So I think a good coach, he sees these, uh, he or she sees these uh, qualities in the group. So even if there's some players who might not be playing on the pitch, you can still, um, you know, use them. You can still make them feel important, and that is, uh, you know, when I came to to the end of my career, um, especially when I was at F C Midtjylland, which is, a, you know, inspirational club for for me. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't that important when it comes to on pitch stuff. I wasn't playing, you know, week in week out. I was playing here and there, but the coaches, and I think it was, you know, Brian Priske at, at that time. He still made me feel important. He still made me feel like, hey, you are important to this group, no matter if you play or not. And that is that is something that you know that you you, you really appreciate, and and you can you know you can be calm. You, you accept that you know, okay, physically you're you're losing some some speed, you're losing some power, uh, even though that that is like a bit of a life crisis for a footballer when you go through that period. But but it can be made better and smoother if you have, you know, good people around you that, that still sees you and, and, you know, wants to work with you and, and, and make you a part of uh, yeah, part of the group. Yeah,
0: I, I, my experience was when I started to work for Slavia. Uh, there was their current sporting director, Jerzy Milek, mm. and he was, like, I was there, like, Uh, The head coach took me into the group, and I explained, "Hey, this is Jakub. He does this and this. He is helping us with so on and so on." And I explained like some like small details and 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 everything, and. the second meeting, and like, uh, he came to me and like said, Oh, this is super interesting, like, explain me. And I, I felt like, Okay, this, this like this is, and he was in the late stages of his career at this time, he was like 31 32, already like a little bit slow, playing some time, but not that much. But you already saw, like, his part of the team is just, okay, if there would be young 16-year-old kid, he would go to him as well and, like, help him inter- be introduced to the group. And he wanted to understand, like, what this person does and so on. So I think this is, like, super helpful. And, and many players should actually, like, younger players should actually understand that they are giving information about themselves, like, Every every second they are in the club environment mm-hmm. or even outside, but in the club. So they are rated like how they act in certain situations and not only like how they play on the, in the game or in the training. Yeah. So that's probably one thing to, to, to focus on for, for players yeah. who, are, uh, who are listening to us.
1: Yeah, and it's also, I think there's so many things that you can do when it comes to using these all players and their, you know, their their experiences before um, to to actually maybe help some of the younger guys. I, I believe a lot in in having mentors and, and mentorships in a in a club where where you know first team players might meet some academy players.
0: Uh, so a mentor, just, you mean that you will pair like first team player with the B team player or the young player that he is the guy who is. Focused on getting this kid teenager into yeah. the, into the team.
1: Yeah, that would probably be the the dream scenario. I think now now what the Michael Bavra is, is doing, he's he's actually pairing uh, them because he works with works with the you know he's a development coach. Uh, but, but sometimes when we do you know striker specific stuff, he will have Kuchta and someone else going through some clips for. Our strikers our number nines mm-hmm. and then having a meeting and you know they can ask questions they can you know look each other in the eyes they can get a connection that's really I think helpful uh, for for I think both of them it's a win-win also yeah. for the first team play actually standing there explaining what you do can also be like a, a good experience for them you know? yeah. in, instead of just being there in a meeting Brian or Lars speaking or Luba speaking and they sit back in their, in their chairs and not, not actually interacting. So, I Also for, a, as a boost of confidence like you yeah. are asked to explain how you mm-hmm. solve
0: this and yeah. this situation for the upcoming strikers yeah. so that's also yeah. like really nice to boost their yeah. confidence and their self-awareness. Yeah. But I think
1: that in like in a dream scenario I think it would be great if you had um, some older players. So when there's like younger players coming into the squad, no matter if it's A, B or under 19s, that there are some older guys who gets assigned to these players mm-hmm. just for the first, I don't know, it can be first six to eight weeks that you take care of this new guy who comes in. You make sure that he feels good. You explain to him about, I don't know, rules, regulations, culture, playing style, food times, bus times, I don't know. And that could just—that is also how you create some leadership, you know, in the in the older guys. That you ask them to do a little bit more, ask them to take a little bit more responsibility for the for the whole group. But also, like we spoke about, involving the older players maybe at the end of their career when they're not, you know, playing as much as before. So, oh, um, there's so many things that you could do when it comes to, yeah, development culture that we haven't even, you know, touched on in in, uh, in our club. Uh, let's move on from the from the coaching
0: to to your own career uh, there was a huge topic you already mentioned it with Southampton there was a huge topic uh, if Czech players should leave uh, Czech teams around the age of 16 17 when they didn't actually play some senior football and there's like a lot of critique about this that it's that the uh, the probability of losing the player because he won't manage to uh, to move into different country, to uh, adapt to different like, environment and so on, that, that it can actually hurt them, even though they get much better coaching in like top academies. Like you are in Southampton or in like... You, uh, Czech players usually go to like Atalanta or Italian Juventus and teams like that. Uh, with that experience, uh, like, what is your current view on on uh, players leaving in at that age?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you definitely need to think about it carefully. Um, if you decide to go, um, uh, I think you need to be very well aware that it's going to be tough. Um, not only the football part, but just leaving your 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 family and your comfortable, comfortable surroundings. Um,
0: did uh, did you have opportunity to take your family with you, or you just went
1: alone? Uh, I think that was never a discussion. Um, so so I think I was I was more than more than happy yeah. to go alone. Uh, okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, without was, any support. That's yeah. But I was I was also I think it's it's also very individual. Yeah, yeah. I was
0: someone in the sixty uh, at, at that age wants to rebel uh, against the family, and yeah, someone
1: who yeah. needs the support i've always been like an old old soul uh, even at that age of of sixteen you know i i was very you know um i could i could take care of myself um, and i think even though my mom was maybe a little bit nervous sending me abroad um i think they were quite quite comfortable because of the person i was i had always been very stubborn and and Systematic and you know my dream of becoming a professional footballer had, had always been there. I was very disciplined when it comes to, you know, looking after myself and then um, going out running on the streets or in the forests late on, on Saturdays or Sundays. Uh, so they they also knew that that was what I wanted, but for me it was a it was a fantastic school, you know, learning a new language or my English was already then okay, but but you know, speaking English. Day in day out, um, testing yourself against better players. Because I grew up in a small village in Finland, and I was, you know, usually the better ones in training. So, so it was time that I really tested myself um, on a daily basis. Good coaching, uh, good facilities, um, yeah, great, great teammates, and um, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely a big step. Um, for me, it, it ended well, but, but it's definitely not for everyone. And I think it's also the club that you're going to. Sometimes I think we get blinded by the name of the club, instead of what they can actually give you. Um, instead of their you know, long-term plan for you. I think, you know, sometimes I think young players and their families, they, they see a club with a stature and an image that is, you know, you know Champions League football, instead of maybe thinking, but is is this really the, the kind of club that you need to go to? So so those are you know those are the important questions when you're thinking about if you should, should leave or not.
0: You you mentioned here that you played with some amazing players, including Bella and so on. Like from those years, did you already know which players will be uh, on that level or? There were some like hidden players which don't didn't perform. Like, you, 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 uh, like one mention might be Harry Kane when uh, like no one really trusted him. Like it, even his like coaches from U17 thought that he, he won't be like Premier League striker. Mm. And his like development was more mentally that he understood the game much more in that age and then he improved much more. So do you think, about, like no, no development is direct, but uh, could you see like what and did it fulfill that you players you thought they will manage to have the best careers, uh, did they?
1: I mean, I, I could sense that we had a good group, um, but usually they, they would always tell us that, that there's like maximum one to two who makes it into the professional game. But I think from, from those years there were, I mean, there were so many. There were so many, I think there were like seven or eight who actually played Premier League, you know, highest level. That's
0: from one year or no, from... No, from
1: three age groups, I think. Three age groups. So, so, That's still like yeah, a cra- yeah. crazy high number. Another, I don't know, six to eight who, who made it into professional football. And then we have like these top, top guys, Gareth Bale winning, yeah, I don't know how many champion, Champions Leagues. <laughs>
0: Probably three, three, Uh, maybe four. And then, of course, scoring an amazing goal in one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: unbelievable. Adam Lallana, good career. Theo Walcott, um, Nathan Dyer winning the Premier League, uh, and then you know other other bunch of you know players who played at uh, you know Premier League, Championship, League one. So we had we had a good group, but did I think that so many would would make it to that level? I was I was still surprised when I saw Gareth Bale moving for 100 million euros to to Real Madrid. I was still a little bit surprised when I saw Adam Lallana going to to Liverpool. Um, but it, you know it makes you so happy. Somehow you can you know you say that hey I used to play football with that guy.
0: Are you in touch with any of those players? No, from not
1: uh, not 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 like that. Uh, mm. But but yeah, of course I met uh, I met Gareth a few times. We played. Yeah, we were playing against uh, Wales on, on a couple of occasions, so it's always you know always fun, and, and we always you always think back about the the times when you when you played at uh, at Southampton. So so yeah, good memories. You, you played in seven countries, which is a lot,
0: uh, like including Eredivisie, Swedish League, Danish League, Finnish League, or Bundesliga too. How would you how would you compare these leagues like their uh, their tactics and, like, specifics of, of those leagues?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I would say, Dutch football, it can be very individualistic sometimes. I think that is also what they what they like, that you have a lot of players who can take, take players on, like, get, can get past players who are fast. Uh, um, so you got more so I went from going um from the Swedish league, which was very you're 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 organized. it's a lot of four four two. you always have teammates around you that will help you in case something happens to the Dutch League, which is a little bit more free free
0: uh, no one thinks about defending there uh,
1: it's 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 definitely less less when it comes to about compactness and an organization so. So it's a good league, especially for wingers, uh, wing backs, full backs. Um, good, of course. You know, I played for FC Groningen. Now they actually got relegated, which you know, big shock to everyone because it's a, uh, it's a big club in, in the Netherlands, uh, a big stadium, a big fan base, high expectations, and I think that kind of Dutch view on how football should be played, that is, it can be a little bit arrogant sometimes you know that you if we were not playing the way we should be playing you know there would be a, a concert of whistles after you know 10 15 minutes and um, I think I think you know maybe you know, you for or whatever it was but but I think the Dutch they're very eager to let their feelings know <laughs> you know when, when it comes to the style of the style of play um,
0: And in terms of like Scandinavian leagues and Bundesliga too? Like how would you compare them? Like Scandinavian leagues it's uh, it feels sometimes that because I say Scandinavian leagues Mm -hmm. that we put it into the like one group but actually like uh, Danish and Swedish and uh, for example Norwegian league that's totally different on like like it would be like Mm -hmm. separated by with thousand kilometers actually.
1: And it's also when it comes to so i saw this this uh, statistics quite recently when it comes to selling players uh, or value of, of players from the different um, nordic countries and in finland we were nowhere good near nowhere near good enough of um, having a high value on our players on our national team players compared to norway and, and denmark who who just sells a lot of players, and that, that, you know, that kind of money, you know, pouring back into, into the country. And, and um, I think just, you know, the, the leagues in Denmark and Norway, they're just better than the, than the rest and um, a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more... You said Norway and Denmark? Yeah. Denmark, especially. I think it's yeah, just I think... More, more international, just a better step for, for young players if they want to move to to a bigger league after that.
0: Yeah, Denmark has such a high intensity compared to yeah. Sweden and, and Norway mm. to me. Like Norway for me is very not intense league, like yeah. a little bit tactical, a yeah, like yeah. lot of running. But yeah. as a scout, I don't uh, like I would rather go for a Swedish or or uh, players from first Danish division than, yeah. than from Norway. That's more specific, yeah. I would say. Yeah.
1: But it was it was, you know, I you know Bundesliga 2. Came there. We were almost got promoted. Um, we came third. Lost the playoff against Hamburg, and um, they actually won one. But they 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 stayed stayed up because of their uh, goals scored away from home. So and after that year, I, I left for Denmark. Had six really really good years in FC Mistran, which you know both the country and the the club has definitely shaped my thinking. Um, Shape my thinking of football, but also shaped me as a as a person. Uh, so I think that you know that that club and that, that place places had the biggest influence on, on me as, as as a human being. Uh,
0: if you would compare, like a little bit, go back to I will go a little bit back to Spartak. Like, if you would compare, like how we develop players in Czechia or in Sparta compared to the other leagues you have been there, like what are the specifics? What are we doing wrong, and what are we doing right?
1: Well, I don't know. Tough, tough question, to be honest. Um, I think it's always fun when we, when we speak with the others. If I speak to Czech people or Nordic people and we try to you know, compare um, when we see the, the different. I mean, there's always every culture has their, their specific things right and even in
0: mentality yeah
1: it is listen and and some things i like here and some things i feel that we in the nordic countries we we maybe do a little bit better i i do feel like it can be a little bit more hierarchical in the czech republic compared to nordic countries can you maybe
0: give me example Like, like
1: i feel like in 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 the nordic countries we are Good when it comes to just you can you can talk to anyone, okay. and you know that the other person he will listen to you no matter what your status or role is, and that kind of you know sharing knowledge, um, working together, uh, that kind of demo- d- democratic way of, of living, I feel um, yeah that that that, is, that 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 is something that I really like of course because I'm, I I grew up there you know it, it's it's normal yeah. for me. And here, I think that that is something that is maybe slowly changing, uh, especially in, in our environment. And um, and um, but yeah, it's maybe a little bit more. Um, and I think that that is, like I said, it, it's you know really looking good now when it comes to like being aligned between the different teams in the club and uh, the you know the coaching staffs in the club and, and working together for the benefit of, of sparta prague and developing better players but i think that sometimes maybe you get the feeling that there are like clubs within clubs and mm-hmm. that is the case probably for majority of clubs in, in european football that that you usually have like a first team yeah which is a first team and they have no connection to the rest of the clubs yeah but i feel what i really like with the with the coaching staff in the first team and that, that they are really like willing to to share, uh, willing to not only be there for their own success, but actually maybe building something for for, for long-term, for the future. So I think that is, if you ask Czech coaches in the environment, I think they can see that that is, that is a big change to maybe how it's been previously, the kind of close proximity to the coaching staff of the mm-hmm. first team. And everybody's just you you're you can go in there anytime, knock on you know Priska's door and ask him questions, no problem. You can go and watch a training, no yeah, problem. Yeah, that, that sounds like very it's unusual
0: just, for Czech environment. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, not just Czech, but like a lot of environments that they are just you 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 make it into some kind of fortress. The first team thinks that the training and then you you don't want you don't want anyone to see and you don't want anyone to 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 look into what what is happening in the. In the,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, we kind of had it uh, with the national team as well. Like the, it felt like I, 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 can, I don't know the specifics, but it felt like like the first team, coach is not talking with the U twenty one coach like how you how you would like some players could have get minutes to, in the U twenty one games and help them get into the, uh, into the U twenty one Euros. But they took them for the first team, and they didn't play them, and so mm-hmm. on. It felt like there is no like, like overall communication between yeah. between these parts, even in this national level, when t- where you don't have actually that many, that many tasks if you don't uh, if you if players are in the clubs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that specific situation, but I think you know, you mentioned it already. Open communication. I think that's absolutely crucial. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think like we are here a little bit like afraid of sharing, afraid of giving up ideas. And, and I think also maybe
1: afraid of of being wrong. Yeah. A- afraid of exposing yourself. Yeah. Afraid of being vulnerable. Yeah. And I think if you want to develop yourself, those are crucial aspects.
0: Yeah, I had a, I had a discussion with a youth coach actually about this uh, and, I, and he said, hey, what should I do to improve? And I said, oh, read this and this. And this is how I learned, like, Spielberg and so yeah. on, tactical things and so on. And and then I said to him, Hey, and, and put it on the internet. Like, br- build a brand of yourself. Like, I don't, like, why are not coaches sharing their ideas outside of being a bandit where you have, like, 2 minutes slot to explain some specific situation like no one really no one really knows if you are doing like You don't have any discussion. You don't get any feedback and so on yeah. So yeah, I agree with this like completely that we should be more open uh, To be wrong like if you are like you are active on Twitter as well or, or on other platforms that uh, if uh, if you are like wrong in ten percent and people remember ten percent, then they are wrong by themselves. Yeah. That they I mean, don't focus on the ninety percent that yeah. you explained right. So exactly. so and you get feedback on your opinions.
1: I think that was probably the best best when it came to my uh, or to the A license course um, that I did in Finland. The amount of feedback you got from your educators that was that was really staggering, and it was really like honest open and uh, you know of course first you need to create a a, a psychologically safe space to actually do it you need to have a connection you need to have a relation but it it was just you know for your own development especially in this situation i've been a coach for one and a half year i have so many things i need to improve but getting the feedback now you know from people who can see things that you can't see you know your, your blind spots actually mentioning them to you so you can reflect over them I think that is just such a good start such a good start and I don't know how you do it when it comes to the licenses here but but you know getting so much feedback when you meet it, it's I think it was really really probably the best of, of the whole course
0: yeah I wouldn't go into it because that would be my uh, one hour rant about how, how we do it wrong and how, how like I, I, I was part few of these like uh, I did uh, uh, I had a talk for, for the profile license okay. a few times. Yeah. And f- man, like the, the I, I expected that I will have a talk forty minutes and then I will then have 40 minutes of questions mm-hmm. because usually the guys didn't like the, the thing I was explaining was data analysis yeah. and so on and they didn't like see it probably nowhere because it's yeah. not like I, I did it very approachable with details and so on yeah. and then there was like two questions. So okay. I was like, okay, so maybe, maybe I'm a poor presenter yeah. or maybe they just needed hours to check in mm-hmm. that they uh, went, to the, went to the talk and... Yeah. But this so. definitely
1: a, a feeling I have as well from this, from this country that there, there's a lot of... You have a guy or a coach or whoever, like somebody with a, 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 some kind of status, he speaks to you and then there's no like interaction. Yeah. In a way, yeah, yeah. I, I don't this. know if, if it's true or not, but that's that's what I maybe seen and heard. That is, you're very used to having a authoritative figure speak to you, and and that authoritative figure, he does not maybe always expect um, expect to get any like you know criticism or questions. Not in your case, of course. That, that's a different scenario. But I just feel maybe that the kind of coaching player relationship that that you know players. I can also sense that. You know, mm-hmm. of course, that that is the you know, English language, and you know the barrier is a little bit higher. But but you you it, it takes time to to get them out of their shelf and actually having them. Hey, you know, I want I want to hear your opinion. If you don't if you don't agree with me, you know, tell me. Um, or if it's just this this new I, generation, I, think, I don't know.
0: I, I think it's more about not being wrong, actually, because yeah, um, yeah, in yeah, the uh, in the in the in the same like I think you you named it correctly that. Uh, like even in this uh, profile license when I had the talk then I knew some of the coaches personally and Mm. if you take them in one v one Mm. and you have actually some kind of relationship where they don't need to try to present Mm. themselves to the group and they are just talking like then they don't worry that they will say something wrong so then they can go and ask even if they feel maybe the question is stupid but if Mm. you are in the environment when there is 25 people mm-hmm. and you actually ask like something that's like everyone thinks oh i knew this so so maybe it's afraid to be wrong uh, switches like yeah this is slowing us yeah. down actually a lot yeah. uh there are so many uh, great defensive midfielders who turned up to be coaches like arteta uh, Guardiola, Xabi, right now it looks like maybe from Manchester United, Michael Carrick could be one. Could be one. Uh, uh, what is the like specific aspects of the of the position that contribute to developing a good coaching mindset?
1: I have absolutely no idea. That's my honest. I mean, is there something uh, with the fact that you're, you know, center of the pitch, you look both ways, you need to think about Offense defense, um, I'm not sure, but it's, uh, it's, it's yeah it's a, it's a curious thing. I think it may,
0: might be understanding of space, mm. because if you are winger, your task is to just like drop and then go, uh, or like you have some specific like smaller tasks, but the understanding of game in as a six or as an eight is probably like more needed because you need to be aware like what's happening behind you uh, in front of you how you can position yourself and so on like that would be my guess but I hope to get the answer from from, from defensive midfielder for did you play the whole career defensive? I, I checked the data for I have it from two thousand fifteen and most of the data was six and eight. So, yeah. You know, but I don't know if you were center back previously. No.
1: No, not uh, maybe a, a few games, but they uh, yeah, are mostly mostly defensive minded uh, center midfielder.
0: I know your name for a long time because when I entered around 2016-17 into the into like the data analytics of football, you were already branded as kind of franchise data transfer by, by FC Mitylands. Uh, like, uh, like were you actually informed about this or how was, the, how was the process about this that you were kind of like so much connected with the data and like I, I saw, some, uh, saw some talks actually. Uh, like about you, about like the example used, how you can use data, which I find might have been interested as a player. Like, okay, yeah. you
1: did it. Yeah, I think it was quite comical because I don't see myself as as you know a brilliant pl- player, uh, by no means. But yeah, I think I heard it just just after I signed that uh, I was signed on the basis of data and statistics, and I don't think I. You know thought about it too much back then but just coming into that uh, place FC Michelin that, that environment and you could see how differently the atmosphere was and and how they used data when it came to recruitment and, and um, other things Yeah, you, you you got I think that that was the, probably the the trigger point for me where where my own curiosity grew as well but uh, but yeah we was I can't remember the the specifics but I think it was something with the, the second bundesliga being an undervalued league and and uh, seeing that the good teams in second bundesliga actually were you know could could potentially play in in premier league even uh, based on that quality and I was in one of those teams who were doing well I was playing a lot and this this club, AS they were they were um, they wanted to, to buy a central fielder or they had a, a need for one. So it was some different factors that, that played played a role, and uh, and I was I was actually not looking to move. I I wanted to stay in, in Germany because I had a decent year. I wanted to learn German uh, because I I'm you know love languages. Uh, so it was just weird, you know. After all, only one year, I get a call during my vacation. I'm on the balcony, you know, getting some sun, and after that call, I just had a, you know, strange feeling in my stomach that yeah, I'm, I'm not being, you know forced out or pushed out, um, but it ended well, and uh, yeah, one of the best cups I'll definitely play for.
0: Yeah, you were there in the like legendary season when the team scored 28 goals from set pieces, which I think was like per game was the best like anyone did uh, to that point. And you won the title in the first season. Am I correct? Or yes. Was, yes. Uh, like how, how was how different was it in terms of like focusing time on set pieces?
1: Yeah, it was back then. I think the first year we, we still didn't spend like um, a lot of time on set pieces, but there was definitely like a clear structure. We had a really good taker, and we had some strong guys, uh, which which helps. You know, creates that potential to, to do to do things well, but there was definitely that kind of uh, innovative mindset coming from the top top people at the club who said, "Hey, set pieces—that is important. That is an aspect in football which is not valued enough because usually, and you know that yourself, that you know, coaches they like to do ten minutes." Uh-huh. Match, match day minus one, and then they expect results. Yeah, I hate it. It does not work like that. Um, so yes, there was uh, a bigger emphasis on set pieces that first year, but it only it only grew from then. You know, every year we we built something, and especially with Mats uh, Budgareit, who is now in the in the German national team. I think he's still there, uh, having that same role, set piece role, um, the assistant coach as well. But but he he really he was really really nerdy really really passionate uh, when it came to set pieces and and just that kind of charisma um uh yeah he had a huge influence on us and he was he well he he took it to a different level uh just that kind of you know you know creating a playbook and then working more like you know nfl teams uh having different areas to attack having different areas where we had a different setup, um, different kind of options. He, he was an NFL team coach? Or? No, no, but he took, I think the inspiration came from there, mm-hmm. uh, in many ways, from, from, you know, for, from the owner, from the, you know, from Rasmus uh, said, I think they were really inspired by how the, the NFL teams work when it comes to, to um, yeah, to, to set pieces.
0: Yeah, NFL is basically one of six pieces in you know. the yeah, So why
1: not get influence from that? Yeah, yeah, um,
0: like uh, despite your height, you didn't score in that season. Despite playing a lot of games, How is that possible? Yeah, I was.
1: I yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm not like dominant when it comes to my head. Although I'm like almost two meters tall, um, I I think I usually had like these you know other roles. So I would be a blocker, for example. Okay. I would I would have. I would usually start in front of the keeper, and then I would come out and block their best header. Just you cool. know, standing in a way, creating space for our best headers. So uh, like you
0: are very imposing, so I can imposing, imagine. But also can they, I, I
1: somehow they felt like maybe I could get away with stuff, and I could you know move at the right time, put myself in a position where we wouldn't get a free kick against us. Uh, so so yeah, everybody has a role. And that is you know important to remember
0: I, uh, you already mentioned it a little bit but uh Sparta B isn't creating many chances and actually even in defense like mm. the set pieces aren't uh, aren't great so like you how much you feel you can like change with like you were in su- such a good team in set pieces how much you can adapt with like i would say smaller players or not that aerial dominant players in, in the, the, these teams and actually do like really good set piece strategy
1: yeah I think that is uh that's definitely a challenge I think when you you know when you're physically the the weaker side then maybe you need to just be a little bit more creative uh focus more on short plays. um so yeah we, we were struggling defensively for for many many games we actually had which is just I think unique we had two of our own attacking set pieces that we conceded goals from within the, like the first nine games because, we had because two, you overcommitted, committed or, or just we unlucky wide, we had a wide free kick and i think we had a corner, and we conceded two goals and that, that you know that rarely happens you know that happens yeah. maximum maybe once every two seasons or something and we had two of those inside nine games so that just tells you something that we, you know we were struggling we were struggling um so um, yeah a bit of naivety um a bit of you know yeah, making some mistakes uh, both probably players and and uh, coaching staffs now it's in looking a little bit better and i think actually attacking wise, when it comes to corner kicks especially i think we're we're, we're we've done okay at least the, the first eight or nine games we did okay when it comes to creating goals creating chances um but uh but yeah it's still definitely an area that we can we can improve. Um now we've had Jan Dasiček um with us, who I think has some really really good ideas. Um when co- yeah, like creating solutions, uh being a little bit nerdy. So so he's been like, a really good addition to our, our coaching stuff. Um but yeah, you know, when it comes to set pieces, we're it's difficult to do something in the middle of the week, because you know that probably um, during the weekend you'll have a couple of players from the first team, um, so so you know, again, how much time should you spend on, on set pieces? Uh, but then we have like, you know, interesting topics when it comes to throwing length. So our Head of Performance has this experiment where he's trying to increase the length of, of a mm-hmm. couple of players' throw by working once a week with their technique but also with the medicine ball and um, yeah. that is you know that is also something really like uh, cool to see uh, that he's been able to do that. It um, can also be deadly you know having someone in the team that, that throws long is uh, is a weapon.
0: Yeah I think like in Liverpool that is actually a Danish uh, Grönholm, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, who has like a whole YouTube yeah, channel no, about. No, no, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, I thought yeah, he's Danish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's yeah. Actually, we, when we come into the club, we we try to explain them like, like throw-ins are so important, mm. and you can kind of like. Make a huge difference with actually not that much time spent. Mm. So, like usually, usual numbers would be like you have fifty percent uh, control of the ball after your own throwing, yeah, yeah. and you can get it somewhere to seventy yeah. with few few mm. weeks of work, which mm. is like like I don't know, like a lot of, a lot of possessions uh, that, that, that can help Yeah, you. but
1: that was that was what I mentioned. That you know, why are we not spending more time on creating? um some 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 patterns when it comes to throw-ins, especially the middle of the pitch. I, I, I really don't get it because there's so many of those throw-ins and, and especially our team, you know, now we, we're aware that it's like a weakness of ours. Um, mm-hmm. We've shown some clips, we've we made our players aware um, because we we were so poor. We just throw it to a guy, maybe under pressure, he, you know, puts the ball back and then we're under pressure we lose the ball and then it's just yeah, it, it's yeah. just
0: there is so much data about it mm, like yes. you can you oh, yeah. can analyze like what like probably we can uh, I can tell here that like the switching to other side is the mm. most this is the best scenario you can do sure. so actually have a strategy just how to get to the other side from mm. this compact space would be just immediately helpful to, for for any coach
1: yeah and just the, the fact that if you so as this that if you take the throw in within 10 seconds yeah. you have a higher probability of actually keeping possession. Yeah. So just Every, having that in mind, yeah. it, it gives you some 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 keys, some, some solutions to, to the games.
0: Yeah, yeah actually, like Ronemark's Mark's strategy is, is that at, uh, you need to do one of three, like uh, very quick throwing or smart throwing, when you do some, like, uh, movement to, oh. to allow yourself to switch to the other side. And, oh, and the third one is long throwing to, to immediately switch. So... So and you always like uh, I like the way that you always after throw-in you can ask player like which one of those three was it Mm. because if you are not (laughs) doing any of those like what like why are we training this and then you have some
1: clear principles of how you how we want to work
0: and in the end like they had I think in middle of one season they had like fourteen goals from throw-ins like uh, connect like in. 25 seconds from throwing uh, a goal, uh, goal was scored, which is crazy. So yeah, I agree with you, that it's undervalued. Uh, uh, we are both fans of the best club in the world, Manchester United. Uh, right now it doesn't feel like the best club in the world, after ending up last in group with Copenhagen and, uh, and Galatasaray. So, what are your current thoughts on Ten Hag? Ten Hag, um, uh, like a rain in uh, as a manager.
1: Yeah, I think I think you should always be careful to to um, have an opinion on other people when you haven't followed their work uh, that extensively. So I've watched like a few games here and there. Um, but, you know, I have a small kid at home, so it's difficult for me to go to my partner and say, hey, I want to watch, you know, first you work for like 10, 12 hours, and then you go and in the evening and say, hey, I want to watch a game. So it hasn't been... It it's has the same a, everywhere. Yeah, 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 but small been, kid as well. and it hasn't yeah, been successful. No. It's,
0: a, it's a poor pitch
1: yeah. for yeah. the wife. Yeah. But I just feel like there's, if I think a little bit bigger, I think there's, it's a club with no direction at the moment. I think they like they like a sporting director, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So what you know? How can you? I just like in modern football, how can you work with a sporting director? Because that is that is a key key role, a key a key guy um, in a football environment. So so I just feel it's it's you know, wise they they are a little bit messy at the moment for for someone of their stature, and, and that influences many things.
0: Yeah, I actually think we like have uh, Arnold as a sporting director mm-hmm. but he's not the guy who should influence his views on football based on his like career and like football understanding and yeah so so we always like give it to the coach like the, the strategy is the current strategy of the coach
1: yeah that's the worst that's yeah. the worst and that you, you still see today that uh, like the phil- philosophy of a club. It's just based on who the coach is in the first team, and that that is just not a sustainable method anymore. Yeah, uh,
0: like I don't know how much you watched Manchester United with with this information, but uh, I was very surprised, like how many, like uh, maybe maybe I back it up a little bit. Uh, like I, I followed Ten Hag a lot uh, before he came even into Utrecht and uh, and in Ajax. And the main thing about, like, I think he understands the game really well. Like his game understanding and his, as, as actually how he solves some problems, feels like on top top level. Actually, like explaining them and so on. But I think the main thing uh, they did wrong in the in the summer was focusing much more on of the ball of the ball rather than how we will the build up or how we will score goals in final third. Uh, i maybe the best example of this is mason mount where when i when we signed mason mount i saw him as a, like someone with really good really good press resistance and someone who actually in this advanced eight position can help us move the ball forward in build up and he has the pressing attributes as well but, but like overall this i felt that this is the main aim of signing this player and it turned out that uh, like he he thought about him mainly about pressing player, so so he kind of like their aim was actually go for pressing rather than anything else. Like how, how do you feel about?
1: Yeah, I I have the same feeling when it comes to Ten Hag. Uh, I do believe that he's he's an intelligent coach. Um, I think his tactical understanding. I think it's 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 on a, on a high level just based on. You know, things you see in games, um, but but yeah, there, there's, I, I really don't know what they've worked on when it comes to, you know, season before and the preseason and stuff. Um,
0: Which but, felt um, like even from some interviews that he uh, okay. he said that we want to be the best, like, uh, uh, best counter-attacking team in the world. Uh, there was this sentence that stuck in my head.
1: Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can see when you see the players they have with Rashford and then Sancho and and, uh, and, and and Anthony, it would be a, a valid, um, you know, style in, in that sense that you 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 give them space to to roam or to to run deep. But uh, but yeah, and then you see coach like uh, Deserve, who mm-hmm. you know how much does he think about pressing? To be honest, I think he's probably seventy five percent. It's how he wants to play with the ball. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, again, difficult to analyze a coach's, <laughs> coach's uh, performance just based on, on, the, on the games, but um, I, just, I just believe that the, the, the problems are probably bigger than, than just the coach. I think in, in football, generally, we get so caught up in, you know, the, the manager of the club, because, of course, he's the face of, of, of that club, of that team. But it's, um, yeah, it's just a little bit too easy to, to, to fire the coach and not look at other key roles in the club.
0: Yeah, like we, uh, we are actually not curing the disease if we say that yeah. he, he picked the players, so he's responsible for the signings to not perform. But actually, at uh, the first play, he shouldn't be the one picking players. He should be the one making demands about certain skill sets the players will have. And then someone else should be like the expert on scouting and so on so like in in his specific example In the first transfer window, it was actually super successful But it was successful because we signed it three players that he knew from Eredivisie and uh, And then we topped it up with some like proven players like Ericsson and uh, Casemiro, which we were we overpaid Uh, But it's like it was you could see that he's like just picking up players that he he saw in the last year uh, like very clearly and uh, and from uh, uh, from like good distance but after a year when he didn't have time to watch any of those leagues then we are doing like uh, mistakes of signing players from the same pool or similar pool even though you you should be picking up from, I don't know, the pool of players we are picking up uh, like 10 times more. Yeah. I, w- I would a little bit stay on, on a, because I have a coach here, so I would a little bit stay on the, on the Manchester United and their build-up. Like, do, do you feel firstly that the, the, the structure 3-1 is actually like in this current, they, they play 3-1-6? Uh do you feel that this structure actually you mentioned the problem with rest defense and that you get a lot of counter-attacks? Like, do you feel that this structure is actually enough right now in current in the current environment when like everyone can kind of hit you with fast counter-attack?
1: Yeah, it's that's a good uh, good question because especially when you can feel like some players and uh, Onana is a, is a good example. You can see that he's he's maybe um, he's been affected by like criticism and, and um, you know uh, giving the ball away in, in key moments. So maybe you should you know think about actually having more players helping you building up um, to give some kind of security. So, so it's definitely a fair a fair point. Um, I just feel like you know that the I think the idea from Tenag was you know the Gea was a good keeper, a good shot stopper, but he saw some some weaknesses when it comes to his his uh, ability to to build up.
0: That's very politically <laughs> sad, some weaknesses. <laughs> oh, he was terrible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, that's like, uh, there is no uh, way around uh, it. Uh, he was probably, like, he couldn't see behind the first line. Uh, that was the problem,
1: uh, so. Yeah. So it, it made sense to bring on our name because that is also when it comes to Ten Hag and his, his style of play. It, it's a crucial, crucial element, just like Guardiola, when he he had uh, Navas and had, yeah, but he had Hart yeah, so yeah, is, what yeah. Was it? Joe, Joe Hart Joe jo Hart yeah. Joe Hart and then he switched point. to Navas and he, he, he switched because Joe Hart was not good enough with the ball and that was again a crucial role for, for his style of play so so I think that you know Ten Hag he, he, he thinks deeply about it and he has some good ideas but uh, I feel it's just uh, just a bit of a messy messy club at the moment
0: yeah i i feel like they should they should commit like if you sign it on anna and you are still playing like i don't know 30 percent of your build-up is long balls then like why did you why did you sign it him? Yeah. and i like the explanation of this is that the player have not good enough quality to play on the ball in this uh in this uh, environment and I actually disagree with it because, like we, we discussed before, uh, before the podcast about Postanoglu and like he has like Horić and Bisuma who are not on the level to play in high possession team, and they just started and yeah. it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not great. Like maybe United will uh, will win more points in the short run, but in the long run, like they are playing much more sustainable approach.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah it's been it's been, he's been a a breath of fresh air um uh, tottenham and and uh, Ange, so um yeah some good coaching pedigree at the at the moment yeah we we we
0: discussed before the podcast about the press conferences so mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel like what will be your style of play i don't know how is it press conferences in the second division you just talk with your like <laughs> Department, <laughs> department inside the club to give, like, to give
1: Are interview. There, uh, I, I don't know. Are there any press conferences? I have, I have no idea, think. to I think the. I mean that's that's usually the coaches, usually
0: the coaches speak like to their uh, yeah. not press conferences, but they they like explain the game after the game to yeah. their uh, to their marketing department. Or, yeah. Yeah.
1: that 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 we that we do, but uh, but yeah, you can you can live a pretty. Uh, easy life in that respect when you're, I think, a coach in the second division. I'm not saying easy life, but but when it comes to like media visibility and media, it, it's it's very, um, yeah, it, it's it's not really, it's not really there, mm-hmm. you know, just for a normal, normal, uh, yeah. you're used to much higher. Like- I just feel like it's for, for uh, coming from like being a footballer, it's been really nice to get away from that. Mm-hmm. To get away from from you know interviews that doesn't really, you know, give you anything. I mean, this this is what I like that you that we can sit down, we can talk. It's a discussion about you know football, but it's also a discussion about, about you know development, coaching, life. Um, so this, this I like, but you know, both for a journalist and for a player or a coach, these pre-game things that can be that can be really you know. Uneventful, boring. But Ange in, in in Spurs. I call him Ange because I can't pronounce his <laughs> can't pronounce his last name. I'm trying. <laughs> okay. I'm saying poster, but uh, okay. it's maybe Czech check
0: way of, to, of pronunciation <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and.
1: But he's, he's been uh, he's been you know the first few press conferences. It was like you could you could write a book from his answers. He was just like a really like old wise guy. You know, being really philosophical, really. You know, taking his time answering all those questions. So you know, I think we all really enjoyed having him there. Yeah.
0: I, I I feel like this is for all of the coaches when they come. Like first few conferences, often Haag, for example, were amazing. Like mm. he, he, how much he, how much he put emphasis on the word control. And how much control he wanted to have about like things happening on the pitch and so on. And right now it feels like broken record. Like every time, okay, we did yeah. this because of did this, yeah. and there is not many. Yeah, I actually like the philosophical approach because then you can get more into coach's head than if he explained like, oh, we played this player because this guy wasn't ready or something like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, we, we spoke about it before we started recording, that I think coaches and players, they just need to see that as, a, as an opportunity to, to speak to fans, to, to speak to, to kids, to young people, to speak to, uh, to anyone. Uh, it's not just about answering a journalist's uh, question. It is just, you really have a chance to, to, to have an impact. To influence people's lives, and then it doesn't need to be just you know football questions, but but see really see it as an opportunity to to be some kind of role model. And um, I remember when I was young, I, I always felt it a little bit boring, you know, having to to go to the media media stuff. But you know, later on, I actually saw it as an opportunity to to yeah, if I if I had some something a message that I wanted to convey, if I had something on my mind that just transcends you know the football pitch. So when it comes to it can be anything from equality to racism to to you know healthy, healthy habits, um, physical activity, anything you know you should see this having a mic in front of you as you know really a good good chance to to yeah, speak out loud. you 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 spoke
0: strongly about Qatar. I, I read your blog yesterday. Like, can you maybe uh, explain your your own view on that situation?
1: Well, long story short, um, I, I just feel like this evolution of football, elite football, it's, it's just getting out of hand uh, in some cases. I feel the, the, the most important stakeholders FIFA especially I, I feel like they they don't really emphasize um, human rights uh, questions when it comes to awarding big tournaments uh, they don't really emphasize on getting players opinions aboard on, uh, on board before making their decisions um, and now we also saw Saudi Arabia being was it official, uh, being awarded the, the World Cup without any kind of competition. And I just felt like behind closed doors, um, you know, shortening the, the time for other countries to actually come in with a bid, which scared some, some, some countries off. Uh, so I just feel like we're, we're heading towards um, yeah the disaster in a, in a way because, yeah. I feel it's it's too much about money, it's too much about power, uh, not enough about those those kind of soft values that are, are, are important.
0: And uh, do you feel that uh, also like these owners coming to Premier League like right now for Newcastle or even for Roman United, there was quoted like another another uh, Qatari investor, which didn't end up uh, fulfilling. Mm. Uh, do you feel that that's also problematic or or you... Yeah. Well, uh, common money in, in football overall.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's just problematic when when countries like Qatar, countries like Saudi Arabia, when they use sport um, as a means to to polish their their image. You know, when we talk about yeah, when we talk about Newcastle, we talk when we talk about you know Formula One uh, competitions in Saudi Arabia, we forget about the the things that are happening in these countries, uh, because that is, you know, that is what they want. Uh, they want to take our attention away from, from their human rights abuses, and that for me is, uh, is problematic.
0: Okay, so thank you for taking the time for the podcast and that was a really nice talk and, and thank you. Uh, again, disclosed uh, to the was that you had two hours to spend here. No
1: worries, no worries. Anything for 11x. Thank you,
0: <laughs> thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye.